Hello, welcome back to Patroma Therapy. Today we're going to talk about strangers. We're going to talk about Camus. We're going to talk about synchronicity. We're going to talk about a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. We might even talk about strangers in the night. That's a song by Frank Sinatra. Did you ever hear that song before? That was my favorite. 20 years ago, I listened it nonstop. I really, really loved it. Don't know why. Music was beautiful. When was it written? Was it like in the 60s? No, I don't really know. Frank Sinatra is like uh, the Rat Pack and all that. I'm not exactly sure. We'll have to have I maybe... loved it. I still do. Yeah, it's very, very romantic. Strangers in the night exchanging glances. Strangers in the night, what are the chances we'd be recording another episode of Patroma Therapy? Maybe we'll uh, make karaoke. Oh, hell no. no <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe that's just me. Ne never, never say never. Right. Well, you know, um, one of our subscribers, Matt Gardner, was once a stranger. He was a student in a class in, uh, oh, I was teaching in Houston, Texas. He was taking a college class, and he later became a friend. And then he wrote one of the very best papers I have ever read about Edgar Allan Poe. And the course was just an introduction to college writing. And now he's one of our subscribers. Uh, we've remained friends all these years. And sometimes when he comes through Dallas, he visits me. And it's just like old times. Uh, so maybe Matt will come through Dallas again and we can record an episode with, with Matt. Uh, I have another uh, friend April and uh, Martin. I guess I met April through this MeWe community, I don't know, a year or two ago. And we always liked each other's posts. We had things, similar sense of humor and kind of interest in the occult, a little bit interest in strange and bizarre things. And uh, now, you know, she she is going to be one of our followers. So hello to Martin and to April and Martin's also interested in synchronicity. So how would you describe what synchronicity is? Um, accidents that are not accidental. We spoke about this two days ago, and I think that's the most appropriate definition of it. There is no logic explanation, right? Right. Like there's no, there's no way... Like I was up in Portland, Oregon, mid-February, and I was sitting in a library that had a little coffee shop, and I just glanced to my left, and there was a brochure that said how to live consciously, and it was about the Carl Jung Society in Portland, Oregon. And I used to belong to the Carl Jung Society in Houston, and I followed some Jungian ideas over the years and I just picked up that brochure and then I came back to Dallas and I was finding more out more about Martin that he's either a magician or a union therapist or something and it was just so strange how that connection was and I was talking with Martin about it just through a chat saying like how can it be you know how how could I pick up on this Jungian unconscious synchronicity thing and shazam, boom, I meet you. 
And around the same time, there's another fellow, I'm not sure if he's subscribing or not. I'm not sure what name he's using, but he goes by voyeuristic number one. But he's, you know, he's not a creepy guy. He's a really great, interesting person who who rides skateboards and bicycles. And I, I just thought it was so strange that these these moments came together in time and had some meaning. I was just like just so surprised. You know so many people. I mean, to me, they're all strangers. And, uh, um, you know, we've been told since our childhood that uh, strangers are scary and... Uh, Don't trust you know, them. It's not... Yeah, they're out to take our money and stuff. But uh, I, I know that there is a study that's been studied lately. There is always some kind of new study uh, about the health benefits of talking to strangers. Go figure. About the husband talking to strangers? Health benefits. Oh, the health benefits of talking to strangers. I thought you said the husband is talking to strangers. Well, you know, I mean, I grew up all around the world. So every two years I had to reinvent myself since my father uh -huh. was in the military. Every two years I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. So I have to tell who I am and who are you and who are you? Okay, well, where's my seat? Okay, where are you going to sit? Where's the library? So even... Even though I, I actually am an introvert, I have an extroverted persona as a defense mechanism. I've had to talk and talk and talk and talk and meet people and meet people my whole life. And then I became a professor. So I had four sections of 25 students. That's 100 students every three months. And if I was doing online editing, I had thousands of people I interacted with. So... You know, I'm, I'm that's at a few why, people. That, that's why you have so so developed communication skills. Whereas well, I need to improve mine. But you're you're good at math, right? You you're you can count. You I don't can know balance what I'm good at anymore. I don't know what I am any longer. I mean, these days you, maybe it's a midlife crisis and stuff. But uh, that's why I'm in therapy. Well, you know, we have an, some earlier episodes on Patroma therapy. If any of our subscribers want to go back and look at some of those, one is called Midlife Crisis. And as I recall, you were in the Midlife Crisis two years ago. Are you still in it? <laughs> well, Midlife, I mean, define the Midlife because it may be over tomorrow. That wouldn't be mid, right? Anyway, no, I, mean, I, um... no, I, I don't mean the formal age. What I mean is Midlife Crisis is, you know, it's like, it's like a, a classic archetypal tale. You go into the woods and you try to find yourself and you discover some magical animals or magical friends or magical something. And then you imaginary. encounter your yeah, imaginary, imaginary friends. friends. And, <laughs> and then you come play out online. And yeah, play online or in the woods with imaginary friends. Wouldn't that be great? I think that's the way, uh, you know, to go for me. Well, hey, you know... You, uh, so go ahead. I was going to ask you if uh, I, I let my question might sound silly and weird or freaky, but did, did you ever got laughed at by strangers? Did I ever get what? I didn't understand the word laughed at. Laughed at? Laughed at, yeah. Laughed or loved? Loved. I mean, uh, that would be great if you tell me about both. No. But, uh, <laughs> 
What were you asking? Laugh, L-A-U-G-H? Yeah. Was I ever laughed at? Yeah. Well, you know, people either, well, people either think I'm hilariously amusing or they have like no idea what I'm all about. So one of the things I like to do is wear hats. So my business name in Dallas, art, selling art and jewelry and resumes is Pat in the hat. So I have a Stetson. I have some like large mesh hats. I, my friend David Anton just came back from Manhattan and he brought me back a Statue of Liberty hat to wear on my head. It's hilarious. So when I go out this weekend, I've already announced through uh, Instagram, some people I know on Instagram, keep your eyes peeled. I'm going to be showcasing a new a new hat. So what are we talking about? Do people laugh at me? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Sorry to... <laughs> no, 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 people what? laugh at me. They laugh at me in a good way. Like, you're like so outrageous. Yeah. You're like so over the top. You're like, exactly. So I didn't mean, I didn't mean any negative connotation in that regard because stand up comedians, I respect them. There are a lot of funny and excellent comedians and people laugh at them. Total strangers. I mean, right. I laugh at some people because they're, I think they're funny and outrageous as you said it. Well, people have told me I should do stand-up comedy, but I would do most of my stand-up comedy about uh, M1 and uh, D2. So M1 is a lawyer daughter I have, and D2 is a uh, doctor daughter that I have. And I have so many hilarious stories to tell that the lawyer would sue me and my doctor daughter, who's a surgeon, would like cut off my head because she's head and neck surgeon. But, but once I'm just gonna tell you one story. Once, once somebody I know could have been a daughter, it could have been a student, it could have just been someone at the bar. Someone I know told me that they were dating an inventor, and I thought, oh really? You're dating an inventor. So what do you think of when you hear the word inventor? What kinds of people's names come to mind. Uh, do you remember the Ryan brothers? I don't remember who invent, invent, invented the airplane. Um, right, right brothers, right brothers. brothers. Yeah, that's, that's an example. And also like Ben Franklin with electricity and mm. Marconi, the telegraph. I would I have, mean, uh, I think I would have made a great inventor if I, uh, figure out how to beat the gravity, for instance. I would love to, you know. Uh, well, I think they already did that. It's called space travel, like with Sputnik and stuff like that. They, they already did it. You're a little uh, late. Not, yeah, but uh, that's somewhere far, far away from me. Uh, I would like to be uh, more practical, shall we say, like instead of the cars we're using, that you had to have a road, we'd be um, transporting ourselves via some kind of a anti-gravitational, whatever it is, device, and I would be the inventor of it, not because of the money, but because it's, first of all, low carbon imprint, and also it's very convenient. Well, I really, uh, I feel like there's a lot of practical things that can come out of our little episode. So I'm going to encourage you to work on your anti-gravity machine. And also, yeah. I'm going to say that uh, this specific invention 
that this person was telling me about. I don't know if you eat cereal, you know, Cheerios and Kellogg's and Cocoa Puffs. I'm not sure if you eat cereal. I like warm, warm cereal for breakfast or pancakes, but this person was telling me that they were thinking of dating an inventor. And I go, well, what kind of inventor is it? And she said, well, um, his father is the vice president of Kellogg. And outside of Houston, Texas, is a very famous, wealthy, wealthy community called the Woodlands, W-O-O-D-L-A-N-D-S, the Woodlands. So Ann Scott will know where the Woodlands is. Amy Lamb will know where the Woodlands is. David Anton will know where the Woodlands is. Anyhow, so this, this person's father was the VP of Kellogg. And when this young man was a little boy, the father looked at the little boy, about eight years old, and said, son, what color should the next Fruit Loop be? And the young boy said, green. And this person told me that she was going to be dating an inventor and that he had invented the green Fruit Loop. Oh. I don't okay. know. Just some people, some people just hate the green color. For instance, if you paint the walls in your apartment with green, would not be good or bad. I'm not a green person, but right now I am wearing green uh, pants that I bought up in Portland. They are uh, American Eagle, and I'm wearing a green T-shirt. Good night, moon. That's a famous children's story. So, I, like I say, I'm, I'm not a fan of green, but somehow I'm wearing green today. My yeah, toaster is, yeah. My yeah, toaster is light mean. green in my kitchen, but I don't. I don't know. I don't think I paint my. I, I paint it like sage, S A G E, but not green. Just pure there are green. Many different, there are many different shades of green. I'm thinking, what would I like my walls be painted with? Maybe I will. It's just a little bit weird. Green well, walls. you're in. You're in. You're in uh, I was going to say paint Mental therapy. facility. Yeah, you're in patrolman <laughs> therapy. Well, you know, another uh, person that I wanted to bring up was the uh, philosopher Camus. And uh, on the topic of, of strangers, uh, his famous work is called L'Etranger, which is translated into English as the stranger, or sometimes it's translated the outsider. And it is about a character who lives in Algiers, who uh, has learned of his mother's death, and he's supposed to go to the funeral, but he's kind of sort of distracted and dissociated from his mother, and then he's sort of wandering around the sand dunes. So maybe some of our subscribers have read The Stranger or L'Etranger, but it's translated as The Outsider. I tried to, we spoke about it a few years ago, I think, and I tried to read it but it didn't go well i don't know it started with uh, mama died today i guess that was the first words and it was about funeral and stuff i don't know i felt uncomfortable and closed it but uh what i was going to say that books are the stranger things it's funny how i use stranger in this context because somehow you've been given a book and you're told it's excellent but you try to read it and you can't and you that put it away and then it, in few years you find it again accidentally i don't know open 
first page or usually the first and you can't stop you just read it all the way through and you love it and you don't understand how come that you didn't read it like a few years ago when it's such a really beautiful book well, did, and excellent weren't you telling me that you just opened up a book a day or so ago and it said happiness is something I don't happiness know, the Beatles have a song, The Happiness is a... I don't know, I, I thought you were saying something about you opened up a book and to a quote, and it said, happiness is... A choice? No, I, I didn't know. say that. Skip that. Well, back to Strangers, <clears throat> you know, uh, we've got Strangers <laughs> in the Night, and then one of the famous uh, works of world literature is Anna Karenin, and, or Karenina, but, um, you know... Vronsky is on the train and he just meets by chance this woman who glances at him once. So that's that's the fatal look. <laughs> and you know, they, they were strangers before, right? They were strangers. And just by chance she had been sitting by his mother on the train, not knowing that she was going to meet Vronsky, and then uh, Tolstoy unfolds the whole novel from that chance encounter, like one of the great works of literature. He didn't like it. I mean, Tolstoy, I read some of that. He didn't like his Anna Karenina's success um, for whatever reason. Well, he thought it. I don't know. A lot of people say she sh he sh should have just stopped, you know, when she jumped off or when she fell off the train tracks but it, he just kind of kept going on and on and on and on but i think a lot yeah. of artists are not satisfied with their work i know that well may, maybe that was his wife who continued the writing because i was told that she copied all his uh, manuscript because he like had an awful uh what's that penmanship what yeah exactly and she had to make it uh, recognizable at least and uh, without her, he wouldn't be able to write War and Peace, for instance. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a legend. But, no, uh, no, I yeah, think I've, 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 I've heard that. I've also heard behind every great man is a great woman. But, uh, you know, April, uh, who is one of our subscribers, she's up in Oregon. And she was sharing some information with me about uh, Vincent van Gogh. And, of course, during his lifetime, he was not recognized as a great artist. And there's a lot of myth and lore and legend around him that he was very poor and his brother Theo gave him some money for paints. But I, but April was telling me that, um, that Van Gogh was actually a kind of a social justice advocate and he didn't believe that he should have food when other people didn't. And he was, he would wander around and share food with people and share clothes with people. And his family thought he was crazy because he would give things away and people laughed at him and mocked him. And, you know, there's a lot of lore and legend around Van Gogh, but I, I was interested in finding out more about Van Gogh, or Van Gogh, as they say. Uh, you know, people laughed at him and, and mocked him. So, you know, I don't know if laughing and mocking is precursor to greatness, but, um, you know, these are some things that we're, we're thinking about today in Patroma Therapy. Can you think of anything you'd like to wrap it up with? Yeah, I'm thinking what is happiness? Yeah, I'm thinking what is happening. I mean, when you're no longer suffering, right? And you don't have to do anything. You don't have to seek anything and resist. I well, don't that's know death. what is happening. That's death. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. 
I mean, would that well, you know, we have, No. No, no, no. We have another episode earlier. It's called The Wheel of Life. Uh, several seasons ago in Patroma Therapy. If anybody wants to go back and listen to that, we talk about the Wheel of Life and Nirvana and, uh, you know, a little bit about, about happiness. But I don't know, you know, some people don't sleep very well and some people don't like to sleep. And several people I know have said, well, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Right now I want to live. So some people just, you know... They go running, they go jogging, they play frisbee golf, they go boating, they go sailing, they go to New York, they go hiking, like very, very active. And I I am not hiking or, you know, climbing mountains, but I just came back from a trip which I found very invigorating. And I I know that some people go on trips as in hallucinatory trips. You know, in Dallas, lots of people do mushrooms, you know. I don't know, to me, mushrooms go in beef bourguignon, but I don't know, you know, some people think that life is for living. What do you think about that? I don't know. I sleep at work sometimes. I like sleeping. <laughs> you sleep at work? <laughs> sometimes, yeah, when it's really quiet. Uh, we have this confidence room, like in the left far corner down the hall. Uh, so I usually close shutters and uh, put some music on and, uh, you know. Sleep. Yeah. That's hilarious. That is, like, so funny. I, I love it. Well, um, we yeah, have to say, go back to, okay. I, I'm going to say goodbye to, to our sleep. listeners. And <laughs> I, I'm going to go, well, I'm go sorry, back I'm a little sleep. bit, I'm a little slow today because it's, like, uh, I've just uh, woken up uh, before we started the recording the episode <laughs> and uh, didn't have any coffee, unlike you. Uh, so I, well, I, I, have, I haven't had any coffee either. I'm having ginger spice tea with milk in it and I, a bowl of Italian meatballs. <laughs> or that. I didn't have any of that stuff. So uh, I okay. apologize to our listeners and to you for being inconsistent. But then again... Okay, no, no. No, What's no, 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 wait a minute. Happen? Inconsistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. Uh, I think that was Mark Twain. So if I you're inconsistent, or like, you know, Walt Whitman said, if I contradict myself, so I contradict myself. Oh. Thank you. Well, adios for now. Auf Wiedersehen and see you around Talk the bend. Bye-bye.